My message today is called Walking in the Anointing. You know, I spoke a few weeks ago um, about our different gifts and callings that God gives you. You know, and I talked about how when you get the baptism in the Holy Spirit, then you receive even more gifts that the Holy Spirit gives you. And, you know, everything that God gives us, first of all, is because He loves us. That's just plain and simple. He just loves you, so He gives you things. He gives you things for your life. But then the Holy Spirit gives us gifts and, and those things as well so that we can further His kingdom. He's got a purpose for us being here. Every person has got a purpose, and He gives us those things so that we continue His kingdom, so we can continue telling people about Jesus, the one who did the miracles, who delivers us from disease and sickness and demonic attacks. He is our deliverer. He's our healer. That's our message, right? That's what we're about. And so all of these things are important. Learning about that is important. But it's also equally as important to learn to walk in the anointing and the power of God like Jesus did, like the apostles did. Because that is how we're going to be, have the greatest impact in our world today. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. And he said in Mark 16, verse 17, we'll put the scripture up for you. He says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Do you believe? Okay, so these signs will follow you. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. What you see there, this is the anointing of God. This is the believer's anointing, right? This is what, this anointing will allow us to accomplish what God's called us to do. So by show of hands, how many here would like to walk in God's anointing? All right. What's stopping you? Let's see what the scripture says. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21 says this. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. See, so the anointing is not about where you are in God. It's about where God is in you. 1 John 2 verse 20 and 27, he says, verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. Verse 27, as for you, the anointing you have received from him remains in you. Where's the anointing? In you, in us. That's what he's saying. It's already in you. The anointing God's given you to do this, the believer's anointing is already in you. You know, Jesus Christ, Christ was not his last name. Christ actually means anointed. It was Jesus the anointed one, Jesus Christ. Christ is anointing. We are called Christians, Christ in, anointing in. That is what we're called. We are anointed ones. Put that on your resume. I'm the anointed one. All Christians are anointed. All are chosen for a specific purpose. I don't care if you're, if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you're an author or an entrepreneur or a school teacher. God has a purpose and a plan for each of you in his kingdom to get it done. And he's placed an anointing inside of you that is far greater than you could possibly imagine. And you're supposed to be doing far more than you can possibly imagine. But what is preventing you? 
What stops you from walking in what the scripture tells us we're supposed to be walking in? Do you think maybe that God, you know, withholds, withholds it from you until you're ready? Until you're more mature? You know, like a parent who like, you know, holds the keys of the Porsche until the kid's 21, you know? Like, you're not quite there yet. We, we think that. If you're honest with yourself, you've thought that at least once in your, in your lifetime, because I know I thought that. I was like, well, I'm just not ready yet. He'll let me know when I get there. No, that contradicts Scripture. We like to say things as it makes us feel better, but it's not what Scripture says. What we just read is that it's already in us. It's already in us. And see, what I can tell from my own life and from reading the Scriptures and from looking at other people's lives as well is that in actual fact, we are responsible from preventing and limiting the power of God moving through us. By truly not believing and obeying. And you're like, is that oversimplifying a complex mystery of God, Cindy? (laughs) You know, walking in the power of God is simply truly believing and obeying. Is that it? Or have we overcomplicated what God made simple? And he said, if you would just truly believe and obey, then you could do this. There's a, there's a, a quote that I, I read and I just loved it. And it's by Anna Whittle Smith. She lived in the, in the 1800s, uh, early, early 1900s. And we'll put it up. And she said this. Has the kingdom of God been over-advertised or is it only that it has been under-believed? Has the Lord Jesus Christ been overestimated or has he only been under-trusted? People are like, oh, you know, don't, don't pray for people for a miracle, for something to happen. What happens if they don't get healed? Oh, so you think I'm over-advertising Jesus. I'm over-advertising what he can do. Or is it just that we're under-believing what he actually can do? What he actually promised us he could do. See, everything in his kingdom comes by faith. Everything in God's kingdom operates by faith. Faith is fully trusting God that he's going to do that thing. I get it. Life throws everything in this kitchen sink at you sometimes. And so sometimes you start to read the scriptures through your lens of doubt. And you're like, oh, I don't know, though. He's promised healing, and I don't see it in my body yet. Or he's, he's promised peace, and I'm, I'm filled with anxiety. And so what happens is we begin to doubt. We read the scriptures, and yes, in our head we go, oh, yes, I believe this, Jesus. I love you. I believe all of this. But in your heart, you're like, mm. I don't know. Have you seen your bank account? Have you seen just what happened to your life? So what happens is, even though we think we believe, we don't trust. See, faith is trusting, fully trusting. We use faith a lot, so sometimes it gets overused and it loses its meaning. If I ask my dad, Dad, I really need $100. I've got to pay this thing tomorrow. And he says, no, 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 no problem. He says, of course, I'll give it to you tomorrow. Thanks, Dad. Guess what? Tonight... I'm going to sleep fine. Why? Because my problem's solved. He's giving it to me tomorrow. That's faith. Amen. I'll make that a thousand if you keep interrupting. Just saying. Um, so, but what's not faith is if I said, Dad, can you give me $100? He says, yeah, no problem, tomorrow. And then a few minutes later, I text my friend and say, oh, 
you know, I really need this money. I've asked dad. I'm not sure. I think he's going to give it to me. I, I hope. I mean, I'm believing that he's going to give it to me, but I'm, I'm just hoping, you know. And then a few minutes later, I, I, my other friend speaks to me, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a little bit of a struggle. I'm, I'm getting the $100 tomorrow. I'm, I'm believing. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get it. I'm hoping. But I, just as a backup plan, could you, do you have any money you could loan me? See, that's not faith. You see how simple it actually is, but what we actually do, it's a difference. So we, if we could learn to trust God, we would see more of it in our life. So more trust, more power. More trust, more power. It's not God changing, it's us. God's always been the same. Let me ask you this. Can Jesus be Lord of all and not Lord of you? The answer is yes to both. Because Jesus is Lord God Almighty, Lord of the universe, the creation, and everything else that moves. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the creator. He is Lord of all, whether you believe it or not. But for him to be Lord over you requires surrender. To be him to be Lord of you requires submitting to his word, obeying him, loving him. What happens when you start to obey him, surrender, and start loving him is his lordship increases in your eyes. He has never been less Lord, but he becomes more Lord to you. What's changed is you. He was always all-powerful. What's changed is you believing it. So he, his capacity increases in your eyes. I've seen this in my own life. You know, as I, as I let go of Cindy's way of wanting to do things or, or leaning on my own understanding and those things, and as I begin to lean into him and trust his ways and follow his, guess what? I began to see more of his power operate in my life and also in my ministry. Whenever I preached or whenever I did anything, I saw a greater power move through me. And again, he didn't change. I changed. He wasn't withholding the power and like, oh, Cindy, you're finally ready. Here you go. No, what changed is me going, God, you've got this. You are so powerful. I'm expecting you to move today. And guess what? He moves because you obey. <clears throat> Our worst enemy is right here. Between your ears, people. That's your worst enemy. We have so many limiting beliefs that we place on ourselves. And then you know what we do? We transfer them to God. Well, if I'm only capable of, capable of this, then he must also only be capable of that. And we look at ourselves. We have, we have got to decide to stop putting ourselves down, to stop allowing the negative thoughts that come to us that say, you know what, you've made so many mistakes. Have you seen your life? You're not pretty enough. You don't have enough talents. You don't have enough gifting. You don't have enough. You're right. You don't. But it's not about you. It's about him. I have a list of self-limiting, self-negative thoughts, beliefs uh, that I should never be standing on this stage. I've done things in my life that should never allow me to stand on this stage. If I listen to one, if I listen to 10% of the things that go through my head, I would never be fulfilling the call of God on my life. But you know what I chose to say a number of years ago? 
God, if you can use this broken, rusty, dirty, old vessel, and you can shine through it and give glory to your name, then go ahead and use me, Jesus. Because he says he'll turn the pot of clay into a vessel of gold that reflects his glory, and it's all about him. So go ahead and use me. Stop limiting God from flowing through your life because you're looking at you. It's all about him. Can you believe him? Can you have faith in him and what he wants to do and what he has said? Can you truly trust him? Because guess what? God wants you to walk in your anointing more than you want to walk in it. Because he's got purpose and plans that need to be fulfilled. And he's like, I wish they would just stop looking at themselves and look at me. Read the word and see what he's promised over your life, what he's called you to do and rise up and do it. See, your gift and your calling are irrevocable. But your anointing and your authority that you walk in will depend on your faith and obedience. I put that up because I want you to read it again. See, God gives every person a gift and a calling, and, he ne- and the Bible says he doesn't take them away. So your gift and calling are irrevocable. They're in you. But the anointing and the authority that you walk in will depend on, guess what? You, on your faith and your obedience. So we've, we've discussed the faith aspect of that. The obedience side of that for me, obedience is many things. But for me, obedience, I like to sum it up as worship. And I don't just mean like the singing part of things. Worship for me is when you honor God and you put him first in everything. You talk to him throughout your day. You spend time in the word. You choose to make decisions about your life based on the word of God, not what's popular in society. You consult him on all the decisions that you've got to make. You're constantly talking to him, planning it. Your day is planned around, your weekend is planned around church. Your events are planned around God, your thought process. So everything, when it revolves around God, it is worship. See, some people love sports, especially like to watch it on TV. Nothing wrong with that. You know, I watched Wimbledon uh, because Federer was playing. But um, other than that, you know, if you know me, Federer. But... um, For people that love sports, you know, they will literally plan their whole week, their whole day around getting home, turning on the TV, watching the sports, you know, betting on the games, whatever it might be, calling their friends, and it's hours, and it's hours, and then the whole weekend's planned, babe, we can't do this because I got to watch the game, I got to do this, and the whole week, months become revolving around the sport. They are worshiping it. It has become a form of worship. Because it is now the highest priority in your life. See, I believe that a lifestyle of worshiping God is the key to walking in your anointing. And as I said, I don't just mean singing. Of course, singing is included because when you love God, you sing, you worship Him. But worship marks you. Worship attracts the glory of God to your life. And when you do sing, Guess what you're doing? You're mimicking what they're already doing in heaven. So I just imagine a porthole opening over me. And suddenly the the heaven is here with me. Because heaven is attracted to when you're worshiping the king. Heaven is drawn to you. You will attract heaven into your life when you live a lifestyle of worshiping God. 
both singing and a life of obedience. You know, when Jesus walked the earth, his anointing was evident to everybody. We know that, right? He performed miracles. He touched lives. Demons fled. Diseases left people. Nothing could withstand the power that flowed from Jesus. The crazy thing is, the Bible tells us as a follower of Christ, you have the same anointing. You have the same anointing when you decide to walk in faith and obedience. You know, you might be thinking, wow, this is an interesting topic. Why is this so heavy on your heart? God put it on my heart over a month ago. The reason why is because the anointing is the thing that Satan is going to go after. And it is the thing that he is going after. See, because Satan is anti-Christ. Christ is the anointing. Satan is anti the anointing. He's against the anointing. You know why? Because it cripples him. He's not interested in our church programs or our fancy lights or your great sermon. Just one drop of God's anointing will cripple him. You want to cripple his kingdom? Walk in the anointing. So you know what he does? He turns people off it. He entices Christians to get offended at the anointing. He entices Christians to be uncomfortable when they talk about this subject. Why do they always have to talk about this stuff? Why does that person always have to fall down when they get prayed for? Why is that person crying so loud? Honestly, does it have to be such a show all the time? They're getting offended at the anointing. The very thing that's going to break them free from the bondage that they're in and they're offended at it. Holy Spirit knows what's going to set people free. He knows how to move. He knows what to do. And, what he, and, the, and Satan, being against it, he'll just sit there and f- make people feel uncomfortable. You know, we, we, you, you hear it. We have people say to us, you know, why do they? You guys at that church, you preach on the Holy Spirit a lot. You know, you, you, they always have to pray for people to, to speak in tongues. And, you know, they're always talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, and, and why? It's a, it's a little strange, isn't it? It's a little weird that they're always talking about the Holy Spirit. You know why they say things like that? Because in most churches in America, the Holy Spirit is treated like a liability. Not the very power to truly grow the church. And I'm not talking about growing the church with thousands of bodies. I'm talking about truly growing the church with passionate believers, people that are sold out for the kingdom of God, people that are walking in the miraculous signs and wonders of God. That's what the Holy Spirit does when he grows the church. But see, in many cases, he's just barely tolerated. He's not sought after. He's not honored and adored. We need the Holy Spirit. Programs will not replace power. Methods, way of doing something will not replace miracles. The Holy Spirit was there at the founding of the church. Why? Because he is the very power of the church. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, people, our sermons are self-help or motivational at best. Without the Holy Spirit, our our singing is just entertainment. And Sunday is just a nice social event for you to see your friends. We don't need encouragement. We need supernatural empowerment. The hour calls for a people who are unashamed of the Holy Spirit's work. Be bold. 
And let it be known that here at the Promised Church, we're people that believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in signs and wonders. We believe in miracles. We believe in casting out demons. We believe in speaking in tongues. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stop trying to explain Him and just embrace Him. Sorry, I'm fired up. Yeah, it's so, it's so, it's the very bondage that's going to set people free. That's the, 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 the anointing, the Bible says the anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing that's going to get you out of what you're in is the Holy Spirit. Let's read Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Do you know why God anoints you? Because you are the answer to someone's prayer. Somebody is praying, please, God, send somebody. Help me with these night terrors. I can't take it anymore. God, please send somebody. I I don't want to cut myself anymore, but I don't know what to do. God, please send somebody. I can't fight this sickness by myself. Please send somebody. And he's placed the anointing in you. And he says, go, look around you. Pray for that person. Release the anointing. And we look at ourselves and we go, what do you mean? I can't do that, God. I'm sick. I'm dealing with something in my body. God, I've got anxiety. What do you mean pray for somebody else? Because it doesn't matter what condition you're in. You have to recognize the anointing in you and the Holy Spirit's power in you can flow through you if you would just have the faith in Him and not in you. See, people are in bondage all around us. This scripture says that the anointing gives us the Holy Spirit's power to break the devil's bondage on people's life. And I know you might be sitting here thinking, well, I'm a Christian. I can't have any demons on me or around me or oppressing me. Child, sign up for Bible college like today, okay? Like today. Yes, you can. See, many Christians open the door to the demonic without even realizing it. You could love Jesus with all your heart, be at church every Sunday, tithe, give, whatever, and you don't even know you've opened up the door to the demonic. See, there's the obvious things. They're the big obvious ones that we all know, okay? Big obvious addictions, alcohol, drugs, pornography, lust, whatever it might be. Big open doors, right? Then there's the doors that you might not think were really that bad. Your friend convinced you, let's go get our cards read. Or let, oh, this person at work reads palms. Let them read your palm. And after they read your palm, you start to notice things in your life start going wrong. Everything is breaking down. Everything is happening to you or a sickness on your life, whatever it might be. Suddenly there's all these problems you can't explain. You open the door. Maybe it's unforgiveness. It's a big door. See, what the enemy does is he causes abuse when you're young. And then he uses that abuse because now you can't forgive. So now you leave the door open and he says to his little demons, off you go, off you go. 
terrorize them with whatever you want because you have that door left wide open. Then some more of the less obvious things is when you take something or someone and make them Lord in your life without realizing it. You love going to the gym. You love doing yoga. But it becomes an obsession. Your life begins to revolve around it. There's a doctor that you listen to, and their opinion is the highest over everything. You want their opinion on every single thing in your life, and you believe whatever they say, and it replaces Jesus ever so slightly in your life. Or maybe there's a celebrity you follow, and you listen to every single thing they say. Or maybe you've got some crystals in your home because you heard it can, be, it can be good vibes. Or you've got sage. Or you've picked up some things and you've put them in and you've put faith in them. So you open the door. In comes the demonic. The biggest way we align with the enemy is through our words. The enemy comes with a lie. You're having a bad day. Things are going on. You're feeling like you're having an anxiety attack. The enemy comes. He's like, see, you're having an anxiety attack because you know what? You are an anxious person. You've always been an anxious person. Your mom was an anxious person. It's generational. You're going to be an anxious person. You've got anxiety. And so, of course, you might have had a bad day, and that's okay. And it's even okay if you had an anxiety attack. It's just uh, the next day, as a believer, God's given you authority over that. So you say, you know what, God? Whew, that was a rough day. But I thank you today. I walk in your peace, and I'm not going to go through that ever again. See, that's what we can do. But in the situation, the lie comes, you're having an anxiety attack, you're an anxious person, this is generational, and then you believe the lie and you hold it. And now you say, my anxiety. My anxiety flares up when I'm in crowds. My anxiety flares up, I can't go to church. My anxiety flares up, when I'm on a plane. So what you just did is you believed the lie. You gave away your authority. Jesus gave you authority to put everything under your feet. But when you believed the lie and you held it, you gave Satan your authority. So now here comes the demons. Satan says, she's not only just believed the lie, she's held on to it. She's claimed it. Demons, off you go. Now you don't just have an anxiety problem. You have a strong man problem. And guess what? You need deliverance. You give permission in your life for the enemy to come in. A lot of times we think, oh, it's big Satan all by himself. No, he's got thousands of tiny little demons all running around waiting for an open door, looking for an open door. How can I get into this person's life? And suddenly you're wondering why things are going wrong. Why, are, why have I got this... The sickness that keeps coming back. Why have I got suddenly Lyme disease and it won't leave me alone? Why am I dealing with... See, because once you get in, he comes in everything. Every sickness is from the pit of hell. I'm not saying if you're dealing with sickness, it's a demon, but I'm definitely saying that everything comes from the pit of hell. So if you've been trying to fight something and you're like, why can I not get rid of this thing? Look in your life as I'm speaking by the Spirit of God. Examine your life. Examine where you might have opened the door to the enemy because God wants to set you free. I know you're sitting there thinking, okay, Cindy, you've spilled a lot at us. Now what? (laughs) Okay, you've got us all freaked out. What now? Let's go back to the scripture. James 4 verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
What is that saying? It means submit to God, surrender. Surrender to his way of doing things. Lay aside everything that you've put as Lord over your life. Stop with the, I'm not saying you can't talk to doctors or whatever like that. I'm just saying, what have you put as Lord over him to make the decisions in your life? What is in your life that you've been leaning on more than you've been leaning on him? Submit to him, fully trusting him. See, some people surrender just enough to be blessed by the spirit, but not enough to be transformed. See, you have to surrender. You have to let go. You have to say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I am utterly helpless without you. I don't want to do this without you. I am done trying because trust me, you are weak without him. You are open game for the enemy to come in and mess with you. Only through the Holy Spirit's power can the bondages be broken off you. Now, you know, perhaps as I'm speaking here today, you're thinking, Cindy, you know, I've I've actually heard this before. And I'm thinking I have maybe had, uh, you know, demonic messing with me. And I I have tried. I've tried to submit to God. And I've, I've tried to take authority over them. And I've tried to get deliverance. And it's not working. Sometimes that happens because it's the anointing of God that breaks the bondage. And so sometimes you need to be present where the anointing is. See, what we've talked about today is the believer's anointing. That Mark chapter 16, the believer's anointing. You all have it in you. Then when God calls people to the fivefold ministry, pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, and so on, he then gives us another anointing to stand in the office he's called us in. Along with the grace and the gifting, he gives us another anointing. Then God gives us an anointing that when he asks us to do something special, he'll anoint that. So God said to me, this is on my heart. My people need deliverance. Christians think they're okay. They're not understanding what's really going on in their life, and I'm going to set them free today. The anointing is here to bring deliverance today. So the anointing, so what he said, he puts it on my heart to deliver this message. So then I have to have the faith to do the message to create it. Then once I step out and obey, guess what? He now anoints this moment. 